Hello and welcome to Everyday Minton. I'm Dr. Luke. And in this podcast series, I'll be sharing conversations with colleagues, exploring their special interests in medicine and bringing insights, ideas and advice for your medical practice. In this podcast episode, we have a conversation about immunotherapy. Cancer is responsible for over 47,000 deaths annually in Australia and has traditionally been managed by modalities including surgery, radiotherapy and chemotherapy. In the 1800s, German physicians had observed tumour aggression during erysipelas infections and that idea was expanded by Colley in the 1890s who injected inactive streptogenes and serratia marcescens into several tumours with over a thousand cases of reported tumour aggression secondary to a presumed local immune response. Although the mechanisms at the time were unknown and college toxins were subsequently forgotten. This subject was reopened brilliantly in 1992 by Tasuku Honda's discovery of checkpoint proteins on tumour cells, which assist their evasion of T-lymphocyte attack, leading to the subsequent birth of immunotherapy through immune checkpoint inhibition, which has revolutionised the treatment of many cancers, including bladder and kidney cancer, melanoma, head and neck cancer, non-small cell lung cancer and Hodgkin's lymphoma. The first checkpoint inhibitor immunotherapy, ipilimumab, was made available for advanced melanoma in 2011. The subject of immunotherapy is complex and could be expanded to include CAR T-cell therapy used in hemato-oncology for lymphoma, non-specific immune stimulation with modified BCG for bladder cancer and monoclonal antibodies. But to broaden our appreciation of checkpoint inhibition immunotherapy in practice, we are joined by the very capable and widely respected Mr. Sam Liu. Uh, Dr. Sam Liu, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Everyday Medicine, I really appreciate you Thanks coming for in yeah, to talk about, um, it's going to be immunotherapy, which is a topic that... Um, is very new and uh, I marvel at the whole uh, science of immunotherapy. Uh, before we get into that in relation to how it's applied to your field, um, can you tell me how you've come here? What's your journey into oncology, Sam? Yeah, thanks, Luke. Um, so I was born in Malaysia and I came here for my VCE and then after that I studied in Melbourne University and did most of my training in St. Vincent's Clinical School and Austin Hospital. So I was amazed Basically, I met a very good mentor, my registrar, who inspired me to become an oncologist. Mm. And I love treating patients and talking to patients and getting them through the difficult time when they're diagnosed with the cancers. Yes. And since then, I just love doing that. It's been a common story that you know, everyone has had a mentor, I think, that's gone yeah, into yeah. one area, into gastroenterology for me, or into another area like, like you have. And... Uh, Sam, um, you know, you're, you're very well respected here for your understanding of, uh, of therapies as applied to oncology, but also your, your empathy and uh, care of patients. Um, so that mentorship and, and has really, has really um, uh, paid off. T- tell me a little bit about immunotherapy. I, I, I know that the, the Nobel Prize uh, in medicine was given to Allison and uh, Hojo in 2018 <laughs> for their discovery of immunotherapy, and obviously those guys were working on various immuno therapy models for a long period of time and uh, d- tell us where we are with it all. Yes, um, so it's a very exciting uh, landscape, it's still evolving every time you go to conference, every year when you attend a conference there's a new molecule identified, there's a new positive trials showing the positive efficacy in treating the cancers. 
So immunotherapy has been, um, it's quite new, it's about probably about 10 years history. Mm. As you say, there are two Nobel laureates awarded in 2018 for both um, the Japanese Professor Honoku or, and Professor James Allison in New York. And they both discovered the CTLA4 and PD-1 inhibitors. Um, so what is immunotherapy? So basically our body usually have a, um, the, CT, um, the negative regulations of the immune system to prevent us having like Crohn's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, and all these autoimmune conditions. Mm. So immune therapy basically using the checkpoint inhibitor to block these negative regulations. In another words, is stimulate our own immune response. By doing that, our immune response go and kill the cancer cells. So the, the checkpoints are, are proteins on the surface of the cells. That's correct. Uh, which normally inhibit T cell activity so those cells aren't killed. That's correct. Yeah. So with the inhibitors, you are stimulating the T cells the T response. Cells. All of a sudden they recognize that particular cell is being foreign. Of course. In this case, we're talking about a, a tumor cell, which That's we want correct. to destroy. Okay. And then by doing that, the cancer cells get killed by the T cell response. And the, the immunotherapy that's, well, checkpoint inhibitors, mm -hmm. as part of the immunotherapy that have been developed, will work in some instances on the receptors on the T cell. They're the, they're the PD. Yeah, so there are, there are two cell surfaces. There's the cancer cells and the normal cells. So the PD-1 is, um, that sits in the cancer cells and PD-L1 ligand sits in the normal cells. Yes, do you have to give an inhibitor for both cell yeah, membranes? So, yeah, good question. So um, the drugs are targeted in two separate in um, molecules, um, sorry, two separate kinase respectively. So mm -hmm. such as pembrolizumab, as known as Keytruda, that's yes. a PD-1 inhibitor. Right. The other newer drug like atezolizumab, which is a PD-L1 inhibitor. So they're both different. Okay. Do, do you tend to mix the therapies um, um, not, as a rule? Or yeah, not necessarily. We don't combine because we also, also always worry about a very um, strong autoimmune response and people could get killed by this autoimmune response. So normally you use one or the other. However, we do combine CTLA4, ipilimumab with the PD-1 or pd one inhibitors. Very complex field. It's very complex. It's extremely you, complex. You just, you, every year when you go to conference, there's a new combination um, recipe A plus B right. and give you the better results. So who's going to benefit from these sorts of immunotherapies? How do you select your patients? Yeah, so we got asked this question all the time in the clinics where patients say, oh, my neighbors and my friends has been offered this immunotherapy. Can mm. I have these drugs? Mm. Um, unfortunately, this immunotherapy does not work in every single cancer cells. Mm. So in Australia's setting, the first cancer cell get, um, get to the front line is melanoma, metastatic right. melanoma. Mm. So ipilimumab is probably the first and foremost drug um, used in this condition. Mm. Um, it's PBS listed in 2014 or 15, um, where I'm sure every oncologist will have their own stories that a patient mm. like almost give death penalty within six weeks or five yes. weeks. I mentioned my father-in-law yeah. exactly in that situation. Which is not uncommon. Mm. Yeah, I do have a number of patients that after, after five years yeah. now, they're still coming back to see me once yes. every six months for, for clinical surveillance. Yes. Um, it's so, a miracle, really, because that used to be such a, considered to be such a terrible yeah. diagnosis. And as you say, it was six weeks, that's a death sentence. Yeah. It's like, get your affairs in order and it's all over. And for my father-in-law, and melanoma conversation I mean, with Chemotherapy doesn't work in melanoma, so that's it. So yes. immunotherapy is probably a targeted therapy. Mm. 
are the two drugs that work in melanoma. It's an incredible breakthrough. Yeah. So melanoma is one area. So one area. Where we um, have success, but not, not in every case, not in every melanoma. Is, is that because, am I right about that? Is that because um, some melanomas have different in, checkpoints on them? No, or? I think in most melanoma, we expect some good positive response. I would right. say the response rates probably about 70 to 80% success yes. rates. So right. that's pretty high for cancer patients. Okay. Um, of course, in melanoma, there's a two category. There's a BRAF mutant and non-BRAF mutant. Right. Um, so immunotherapy works in both BRAF mutant and non-mutant group. Of course, if someone has high LDH, uh, which is a proliferative index, um, that immunotherapy may not be the best, um, may not be, give you the best response. So LDH is probably one of the biomarkers as well. So melanomas can start afresh. You can develop yep. new melanomas. And if you've had immunotherapy for melanoma disease, you may still develop new melanomas. Uh, that, I guess, is because the therapy is being given and the checkpoint inhibitors already it's on the surface membranes of melanomas that were there, mm -hmm. but anything that's new that's developing de novo doesn't have the uh, the inhibitor on it. Is that yeah. right? So that's so, why patients can still develop new melanomas. Definitely, yes. So as part of a standard protocol, we always encourage patients to go and see their dermatologist for a skin check, yes. even though they're on the systemic treatment. <clears throat> so that's very important. Yes. It's not like, well, your immune system now recognises every melanoma cell and it will patrol it and wipe every new melanoma cell out. No, it's not, this, is not the, this is not the way this hypothesis or, or mechanism works. No, in fact, works. sometimes people could be bad luck enough, get a second uh, metachronous cancers, like right. lung cancers or other cancers right. as well. Okay. But not related to the immunotherapy. Mm. So that when you got one cancer, you're more likely to get another cancer. Yes. Okay. So, uh, other than melanoma, what other yeah, areas so, would you apply to? So, I think uh, melanoma is probably top in the list. Second one is non-small cell lung cancer, right. and um, and recently is small cell lung cancer as well. Mm. Those who have good response from the immunotherapy, bladder cancer, Hodgkin lymphoma, triple negative breast cancer, head and neck cancers. Um, let's talk about what cancers may not work in immunotherapy. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably more important. So um, I would say gastrointestinal cancers, especially um, colorectal cancers. Hugely disappointing. Usually disappointing news, unless you are one of the 4% who has this MSI high or microsatellite instable, mm. then you benefit from this immunotherapy. But in general, most colorectal cancer yeah. does not benefit from immunotherapy. And can we say that's because we don't understand the particular checkpoint um, proteins on the cell? membranes at this stage? Maybe it's something that will develop in the future or is, yeah, so is it more is, complex than that? This is much more complex and it, we, um, the researchers still looking into that. But what we know is only a small subset of uh, colorectal cancer patients, as I said, the microsatellite is unstable patients, is it accounts about 4% in the whole colorectal cancer population. They'll benefit from this immunotherapy. Right. On the other 96%, unfortunately, immunotherapy most likely do not work. Mm. So you would normally take tissue and have it looked at. For um, so this is become a yeah. This yeah. is part of the standard um, work up. Work, mm. working process. The pathologist would normally report the histopath as what grade, what yes. type of cancers, and then they'll do the MSI status or mm. MMR protein. So it's part of the um, histopath report. It's where medicine is advancing, isn't it? We're not just looking at the tumor macroscopically. No, we're then looking at it. Of course, in detail histologically, and now we're looking at surface membrane yeah. uh, proteins. That's and, why this and is what we call genetics. Yeah, personalized medicine. Personalized we, medicine. We, we look into the subset of the cancers. Yes. Uh, okay. So, what other cancers do don't? Yeah. So, um, so talk about colorectal. Some yep. of the uh, most of the pancreatic cancer probably mm. doesn't work as well um, mm. because um, 
it is the, the spectrum of the gastrointestinal cancers. However, on the other hand, the esophageal cancer tends to um, respond to immunotherapy, um, breast cancers. So mm. triple negative breast cancer works, um, they do respond to immunotherapy. However, estrogen positive breast cancer, the efficacy is much lower than that. So at present time, uh, immunotherapy is, um, is under compassionate ground for triple negative breast cancer as a first line treatment, but mm. not for estrogen positive breast cancer because right. there's no data to support that. Right, okay. And when you've administered chemo, uh, immunotherapy for patients, for example, esophageal cancer, yep. did, how long does that treatment run for? Yeah, did, so this is... Or is no, it each treatment is different, I suppose, or protocols yeah, um, have been determined? For each pro, I mean, each cancer has a separate protocol, but in general, it's a no-ends road. So basically, once you start, you keep that going. You keep it going. So in, um, I guess most of the platform now is combined chemo and immunotherapy together. Yes. After few rounds of chemo and immunotherapy, then we drop the chemotherapy and continue immunotherapy as a maintenance treatment. Usually it's up to two years. However, most of the cancer will most likely progress by the end of, before the two years. Right, okay. So there's yeah. some kind of escape mechanism that the cancer it, cells It's have. always about heterogeneity of the tumor cells right. um, and tumor cells can develop resistance to the immunotherapy and continue to grow. Unfortunately, all these cancers are still not curable. Mm. But nonetheless, as you said, some of the melanoma patients, um, mm. they do have fire survival more than 30%. Mm. Um, so there's still a subset of patients that benefit from mm. this immunotherapy and have a very, very long durable response. So we don't consider that a cure as such, just a long-term I would say long-term durable response. I wouldn't yeah. use the word cure. I think oh. the, the word big C is a, is a, is mm. a big um, yeah. stressful word to use. Yes. I think I will use the long durable response. Right, gotcha, okay. What, what about the side effects? We, we do hear about these in terms of other autoimmune phenomena, um, yeah. autoimmune lung disease. So it's very Ta important. Tell us about yeah, that. very important. I'm sure as a gastroenterologist saw a couple of cases when mm. people come with mm. colitis. So in general, most of the immunotherapy are very, very well tolerated. And I'll usually quote the statistics to patients that I would say half of the patients, they don't feel anything. They feel as normal as they, as they are. They go back to a full-time job. They work as a normal life. Mm. Um, another 50% will have some sort of side effects. Mm. Among these 50%, I would say 30, 40%, they could feel tired, but it's not as tired as having chemotherapy. Another subset of 30%, they get joints, aches and pain, because as I said, these white cells or T cells get stimulated and they go and attack your um, joints. Mm. They get all these mm. generalized joints, aches and pain. Um, skin rash and dryness is not uncommon. We see this another 20-25%. So these are very, very manageable, but the most um, concerning are the rare but serious side effects. Imagine if your white cells go and attack your bowels, they get colitis. Mm. Um, I do have one patient who have a profound colitis and perforate her bowel mm. and end mm. up in intensive care for a few weeks. So this could be a very rare but serious side effect. Serious side effects, yes. So another, if your white cells attack your brain cells, you get encephalitis mm. and, and you can get mononeuritis, mm. endocarditis or myocarditis. So all this depends on where the white cells attack your normal, mm. normal tissues and then you get those um, respective mm. side effects. Do, do we understand, are those attacks seem because uh, the, the checkpoints, there's some kind of homology with the checkpoints for the tumour and those other tissue types that we've just talked about, bed, bowel or brain or whatever, mm -hmm. where the checkpoints are being inhibited, 
on good tissue, just as well as they are on cancer tissue, and that that allows the T cells to attack. Do we know that, or is it is it just a bit too complicated? It for just science all to understand? It just attacks cancer cells and also your normal cells. But what we know is, if you do develop side immune related side effects, and then you give high dose steroids, and mm. um, suppress it again, especially in the melanoma cohort, those mm. patients still responding to immunotherapy, even though you've you give them a big dose of steroids, right, okay. turn off the immune response, but those patients still have good clinical response too. Okay. So not necessarily when you develop immune response, uh, immune-related side effects, and then you give them steroids, and then the, the work is done. No, mm. you still get ongoing durable response. Do, do you have to know with immunotherapy about the patient's background uh, immune state, whether if they're immunodeficient, yep. does that have an influence on choosing these sorts of therapies? Yeah, so very important, we always ask about uh, general medical conditions. For example, mm. if someone has um, uncontrolled rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, mm. Mm. Okay. Um, it's definitely a, a concern for us to use yeah. immunotherapy. So there's a paper from Westmead that actually look at in using immunotherapy patient with um, rheumatoid arthritis or um, autoimmune response. Mm. About 30% of the patient will have flare phenomenon when they're undertaking immunotherapy. Right, okay. Um, so it's not small percentage, it's almost one third of patients who get um, complications if you have a pre-existing autoimmune response. Yes. I, I think it's amazing, Sam, that in such a short period of time, this therapy has just spread out across the world and it's bringing you know, incredible results for yes. otherwise uh, awful endpoints in patients. So it's, in, it's incredible what you're yeah. doing. Um, what, what would be so the main take-home that you would give, say you were giving a lecture to a group of general practitioners, what would be your main take-home about immunotherapy? Is there, a, is there a, a point you would kind of like finish with, conclusion you could give? Yeah, so immunotherapy is new, it's exciting, and it works well in certain type of cancers, but it's not a golden drug works in every single cancer. Mm. In terms of the side effects, we are still learning as we go, as I said, um, depends on what the cells attack to which tissues. So if there's any concern in the general practice, feel free to call your oncologist because as a oncology clinicians, when we give a drug, we are responsible for looking after the patients. If the patient has developed any side effects, it's important to treat that immediately rather than leave it for next few, few weeks or next few rounds of side treatments. Um, the main step of treatment is to give um, immunosuppressant such as steroids or um, uh, small um, infliximab, something that you have used in your gastroenterology mm. work. So this usually works very well, able to turn off the immune response immediately, right. and the patient will have usually uh, responded very well within a couple of days. Sam, thanks for making a complicated subject easy. Really appreciate Thank coming you. on chatting today. Thanks, Thank Luke. You. Okay. I do hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sam as much as I did. Isn't medicine just becoming more and more complicated? I think Sam did a great job of shining a light on a very complex area. During the podcast series, we'll be covering a wide range of topics across many specialty interests. The discussions are not intended as specific medical advice for patients, but as general information only and reflect the opinions of the guests interviewed. Requests for new topics to be reviewed and comments about the conversation you've listened to are welcomed and maybe email to manager at gihealth.com.au.